you guys. Hi, Fiona. Hi. Director and founder of the Daniel Spargo Mabs Foundation, which is a drug and alcohol education charity set up in 2014 in response to her 16-year-old son's death. Her book of for parents on young people and drugs and decisions, I wish I'd known, was published this year. Um, and she works with education um, on strategic and practical levels nationally and locally and specialises in working with parents and families. So hi. Hi. Ah, I love the, your background. I love your guitar. Who plays a guitar? Oh, that's I'm sitting in Dan's bedroom, actually. Okay. <laughs> Dan's bedroom. I've, but I have kind of manufactured a, a, a background that doesn't, it's not all guns and roses. But I have I have um I have kept a more tasteful guitar. Dan's bedroom is is Foundation HQ. We have got an office as well, but this is this is my home office. Yes, it looks it looks nice and comfortable. <laughs> I'm just sitting by a bare wall and a fish tank, which is over there. Um, because everything else looks a bit kind of crazy. Anyway, let's talk about why being confident to talk about drugs with our young people and our kids is very important. It's really important. And um one of the reasons why it's really important is that um young people say that their parents are the first place they would go for useful information mm. about drugs. As the government carries out a survey of schools in England, there are the survey in, in Scotland as well, and different one else, but um one of the questions they ask, they ask 11 to 15 year olds lots of questions about smoking, drinking drugs. And one of them, the question they ask is, where would you go for useful information about drugs? And well top of that list is is parents for both alcohol and drugs, um, mm -hmm. which always surprises parents when we tell them that because they always think it will be their friends. Yeah. And then maybe the Internet. But actually, in terms of the useful information, parents are where it's at. And and as parents, they may not let on in their teens quite what a significant influence you have as a parent, but you really, really do. And so those those conversations and making those conversations into something that's really com as comfortable as possible and something that you can both come back to as and when you need to. And even when you don't need to, you know, just having that as something that's a, a, an open conversation in your in your family is really, really important. And it's also important because it's really difficult for young people to avoid coming across drugs now, mm. um, whether it's in, in, in person or on social media. Drugs, young people's exposure to drugs and social media is a growing thing. We could talk for half an hour about that, but, but, it, but it's something for parents really to be aware of. And certainly by the time they get through to the end of their schooling, at, their, at the end of their formal education when they're around 18, the vast majority will have been in a situation where they've had to make a decision. The majority will have said no, but some will have said yes. And the, the number that have said yes has also been growing. So it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an issue that parents need to be mindful of. It's not something they, their children will be able to avoid. And so it's not something that we should be looking to avoid as parents either, because as, as you know, as everybody knows, really, that, well, and as I know more than most, um, there can be very significant risks involved. Mm. Mostly there aren't. I mean, there are always risks involved. Mostly, I mean, I, I sorry, I always feel I have to kind of do a disclaimer. I am, uh, I am unusual. Thank goodness, you know, I'm everybody's, every parent's worst nightmare, and I'm the worst case scenario. And thankfully, it doesn't usually go quite so badly wrong. But, but there is the potential for all sorts of different risks to young people, um, and those conversations with parents, but also that whole 
that whole family dynamic, that the, the 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 value set that you have, the way that you negotiate and and clarify and 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 set boundaries, and and the whole kind of um, that that parent that those those bonds and the connections, the connectedness between parents and children can be so incredibly protective against against all all the risks, so many risks and issues that they face in their lives. Um, so parents absolutely absolutely vital really really important job most wonderful job in the entire universe most difficult job in the entire universe <laughs> it is indeed isn't it so how how do parents because some so some parents will feel they know quite a lot and then some parents will think they've never touched it they've never known anybody they've never they don't know very much at all so where's a good place to start buy my book <laughs> Of course, yes. <laughs> well, and every penny goes to our charity, so it's all in a good cause. Oh. But I mean, really, that's um, it's it's it is. I called it. I wish I'd known because it is everything I wish I'd known, and everything that I've learned over the last seven years since since Dan died. I mean, my background was in education, so I knew quite a lot about. But working with adults primarily, but working quite broadly across education for local authority, I was working primarily with parents actually in, in vulnerable families where. Uh, they had limited skills in English and maths. Their children were underachieving, so family learning kind of is, isn't. It aims to to break that cycle of underachievement, kind of working quite closely together. So working with parents is what I've is that's my professional background. But I also had to learn all the drug stuff, and and I didn't come at it thinking that I knew nothing. Um, uh, we we yeah, well yeah no long long again um, long story really. But within our extended family, there's someone who's really struggled with addiction for many many years, very close to us, and. Her little boy lived with us for five years so I didn't you know I didn't feel that I was I was ignorant certainly about that kind of side of things Tim my husband and I we've done a six-week course for parents about how to protect your children from the risks of drugs which of course they said you can't entirely do mm. um, but that was when the boys were a bit younger so I didn't feel that I was I was as ill-equipped as I might be but I just didn't know enough you know I didn't know I didn't know um, quite how close these things were to our door or quite what a range of substances are now available and I think even as a parent if you think you know a lot or you did stuff when you were younger the landscape is really very different and the risks shift actually all the time mm. so there are some really useful places to go I mean we've got a lot of, uh, of a lot of resources and information for parents on our website um, but that also signposts them to other websites so talk to Frank is the government site mm-hmm. England run that and that's a really really useful starting point well and and you know actually there's probably pretty much most of what you need to know is there they've got an a to z of drugs um which goes which it's got quite comprehensive information about the effects and the risks and the, what the law says and there's also an area on there for parents um and there's um in terms of alcohol uh, drink aware has got us an area for parents the alcohol education trust is a really great charity and they've got a parents area as well and they do a parents newsletter so it's it's there are places you could go I mean, as a parent you can't possibly know all of these things and keep yourself up to date from scratch but if there are places you know to go mm. um then then and keep dipping in and also our social media i mean i don't know if people do social media stuff but we do most we use facebook more heavily than anything else because it kind of fits with our parent demographic there are lots of parents mm-hmm. do I've really got to get yes. um, and we do tweet as well but but for, for facebook is is we we use quite a lot as kind of front line of information and advice and things that um things that come up on a nice message in the chat thank you <laughs> um 
are things that um oh it's completely lost my thread now what's I saying sorry thank you yeah, about <laughs> social media social media yes yeah, sorry so facebook so we put stuff on there i do this news draw every day i get these all these google alerts and a news digest and things so so that anything that's relevant to young people and uh, parents and drugs and alcohol i'll put there hmm. so can i ask you a few questions yeah. that so my parents uh have have got some very i don't know how you can answer some of them <laughs> let me let me ask you a nice question first so um so how so how do you explain that medical and prescribed drugs can be good as well as bad? Because uh, they kind yeah, of see yeah. black and white, don't they? But there's, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really good point. I mean, in fact, talking about medicines is a really good way into talking about the risks of all drugs, because a lot of the risks are the same. You know, you can overdose on most things, but nothing just makes one thing better it also risks harming something else you know even something like calcol is paracetamol that can risk damaging your liver if you have too much as well as making your your headache better or your toothache better whatever it is um so it's that that's a really useful way into talking about the risks um but the the there are risks so there there is no such thing as a risk-free drug which is something that we often say at workshops and we do talk about medicines in the context of the risks of legal drugs because those risks are managed so carefully it's not that they're risk-free but those risks are managed incredibly carefully and actually covid has, has given us a really recent good example of how how that balance between risk and benefit so you know the risks that were being seen through the vaccine program okay. Will, will have been weighed against the benefits of of to, to public health and actually you're much you're likely to get more poorly from getting covid than from the possible um uh, complications that there can be but also how long it takes to get a new medication approved mm-hmm. um because you know because those risks have to be weighed up and so they are really really carefully managed you know they're made under license it, it you, you know exactly what's in them how much you know you're, you're given really clear guidance on how you should take them and something that's only prescribed means that those risks are that much higher than something you'd get over the counter in the supermarket and they're prescribed to somebody who a medically trained person has decided needs that medication so for whatever reason for whatever medical condition they've got they that medicine will help them more than harm them but for somebody that hasn't got that medical condition mm. they're likely to do harm and not the good because they don't they don't need that benefit so prescription medication is is absolutely definitely not risk free and if it's being taken by somebody for whom it hasn't been prescribed then the risks are that much greater as well um and it, it it's just it, it, young people can can tend to think that it that it therefore means it's safer and there's also a concern about drugs which are, are can be used by some young people recreationally that are seen as prescription medication like for example Xanax which is a benzodiazepine like Valium and uh, diazepam and so on and gained a lot of popularity particularly through through music mm-hmm. and particularly rap and, and grime and things but but it's it's if you're getting that in the uk it's not prescribed in the uk mm. not on the nhs so it, it's very 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 unlikely that somehow someone's nicked a load of stuff off the back of a pharmaceutical company lorry or anything you know it would have been made in a pill press in the same way that ecstasy pills will have been or any other pills that are have been produced through a very messy careless process mm-hmm. and will be who knows what so yeah it's, it's a good it's a good 
it's a good way into a conversation and a really good way of focusing on the fact that these at risks are managed carefully for this reason. But also with illegal drugs, nobody's managing those risks. They're not made in a nice clean lab. Nobody's checking what's in them or how much. Nobody's checking that anybody taking them knows that, it, that they're not going to come to more harm than good. And, and very often the substances that are in them are in themselves in, uh, potentially very risky. You know, some of them are used medicinally as well, like ketamine or nitrous oxide. They're used as medicines, but they're used in a very controlled and managed way. Mm. And you know that when you get it one day, the next week it will be the same, strength and same everything. Absolutely. But even then with medicines, you know, especially when they're very strong medicines, people that that if anybody's worked in um, in in the medical profession at all, if you're prescribing medication for people, the, the more risky it is, the, the more complicated calculations have to be made in terms of body weight and looking at other medication mm. they might be on or medical history or, you know, other potential um, uh, complications that, that there could be from, from uh, you know, possibly mental health. Um, or you know other 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 risks that there could be to that individual yeah which you change one thing and then it impacts it if you don't think it will yes yeah yeah mm. so I've got a question from a dad I've got one question from a dad because I can't ignore after my dad said to me ah oh, I said all right then dad you know whatever this is not my dad uh this is um he said how can you talk to your teenager about alcohol and help them know the effects about what the negative effects without them actually drinking alcohol to feel yeah. the what it feels like that's a really good question um and alcohol's great in the sense that um there's lots and lots of examples around us all the time that you can talk about. So there's often stuff on, on a film or in a drama, um, or you might, I mean, you might see something around and about, or there might have been an experience or something that they've 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 seen at a family party or something, you know. But there are examples you can use. I mean, films and dramas are, and comedies and things are quite often a, a, a useful prompt for a conversation anyway. Um, so that's that could be quite a useful kind of way in and, and they if they if that's something that they've seen it's useful to talk about the way that psychoactive substances work on the brain because alcohol is a drug it's a psychoactive mm -hmm. substance it's incredibly addictive and has an awful lot of very very harmful effects in the both short and long term and it's one of the worst no it's not one of the worst they're all about the nhs a lot of money doesn't it absolutely it does yeah but in the short term as well but the harm is can be incredibly significant. I mean, it could be fatal as alcohol poisoning, you know, but or get run over by a bus. But if but talking about the way that substances act on the brain, which is basically um, they they interfere, they mess with our head basically, which is kind of why people take them really. But mm -hmm. but they they interfere with the, the all those communication messages that are going around our brains all the time so all the neurons that are sending out neurotransmitters to other neurons and 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 telling our brain what to do and think and feel and our whole and then around our entire body uh, drugs change that messaging so they might that they might speed that up they might slow it down they might just kind of alter what it does and alcohol slows all of that down so it slows down your reaction time it slows mm. down thinking it slows down you it, 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 it slows down your kind of ability to make good judgments and decisions and even kind of that hand-eye coordination thing you know how far away is that the edge of the precipice really um and your balance you know everything that you'd normally have to to just kind of go about your life safely it just is just functioning that much slower 
month more slowly. Um, and so talking about the effects kind of, exp- I mean, it depends on your child and what age they are and, and kind of what they're into, but it's it's making your brain communicate with itself more slowly and sending making everything happen more slowly. And another thing you can do is think through scenarios. So, I mean, if you've kind of got that sense of, look, that's how it's, you know, if you're saying something, you've got something on a film and someone's got really drunk and they've fallen over or they've made a very bad decision about something or whatever, um, you could kind of come up with scenarios together, you know, so what would happen if, just imagine if, okay, they fell over and they just fell off the sofa. But imagine if they were with their friends and they were by a river or Mm. imagine if, you know, or imagine if there were people around that actually weren't good people that might, if you passed out somewhere, what could, that's, yeah, what kind of harms could come to you if that sort of thing happens? Or, you know, they've acted out of character doing that. They've got in a fight with somebody what could happen if you know if if that person wasn't their best mate if it was a stranger in the street or even if it is if it wasn't a stranger in the street if, if it was their best mate you know you can think through that what would happen if stuff that's that's always quite good food for conversations and it also keeps it distanced as well it's not it's quite good not to be talking about kind of so if you did this or if you did that you know it keeps it it keeps it at a distance mm. there are, it's probably worth mentioning as well sorry I only do long answers I hope you know sorry I've got 10 minutes left so you have to pick your easiest question there's a really good one about cannabis you were going to ask me as well which I'll ask <laughs> okay um but um uh, 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 it's worth just pointing out that the chief medical officer's advice for all four UK nations is that under 15s really shouldn't touch alcohol. Um, there are, there's too much going on in their brains and their bodies and their bones, their hormones. Um, also, it, it, the, the, the earlier you have that first drink, the more likely statistically you are to develop problems with alcohol as you get older. It's not an inevitability, but it's statistically you increase that likelihood. So it's just worth keeping in mind as parents because it's not always easy for parents to know how to when do you how do you do that and and because it's legal Mm. it's it's cool I like the idea of talking through scenarios because very often the drugs and and alcohol look safe they're having so much fun they're able to express themselves and do so much stuff but actually if you talk through the end of a scenario then it's it there is always a consequence isn't there yeah yeah absolutely So let me ask you the question then about, let me see. Uh, so I've got one here that says, um, my son says it's normal for teenagers to smoke cannabis. Everybody does it. What's the big deal? You know, we get this all the time and that's the message. I know it's really difficult for parents because it's been so normalized. And also it's such a confusing time for young people yeah. to make sense of cannabis as something that's risky because there's, it's in so many, I mean, because it's legal in, in increasing numbers of parts. I just picked up a piece of news that Switzerland's going to make cannabis legal for recreational okay. use. I haven't read it properly, so please forgive me if I'm wrong. But, um, but, but it, you know, 16 US states, Canada, Uruguay, other countries talking about it and, and other countries with more lenient um, legislation as well. And it's so that in itself. So you can see stuff in films and dramas where people are smoking weed perfectly legally. Um, it's on um uh, all sorts of different media in 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 music and so on there's all the conversation about medicinal cannabis again going back to that prescription medication thing because for a lot of young people that means if it's used as medicine surely it's good for you that equivalent then cbd is just everywhere 
as a it's uh, and it's but it but C, CBD is a cannabis product, but it's not illegal because it's not the bit that gives you the high. But there's kind of CBD in virtually everything at the moment, and all sorts of kind of health claims being made for it, and lots of really interesting research being done. So it's a really confusing time. Plus, in the bit of South London that I live in, you can't walk very far without smelling it. So there's a sense that it is around everywhere. Um, but actually, and I don't know if the person asked that question is here or she got a pen and paper because I have some data and a lot of young people are smoking weed but vast majority of young people aren't so everybody isn't doing it so if you've got a pen and paper um, the government data that school survey data 15 year olds 23 percent of 15 year olds have tried weed at least once only 10 percent in the last month which is a question around kind of how likely is it to be a regular thing? Um, but even with the 23% that had tried weed at least once, that meant, means that 77% haven't. So that's more than three quarters haven't tried mm. weed by the age of 15. And then when you look at older teenagers, 16 to 24 year olds, they ask questions slightly differently. 19% had smoked cannabis in the last year. So again, that means, I mean, it's one in five, which still works still quite an awful lot, um, but it's, but it's, still the vast majority aren't and that it's really important to this social norms thing is so powerful and a lot a lot of young people really overestimate how much their peers are doing something and there was some research that came out just in the summer that that showed that um actually peer perception perception of peer behavior in terms of drugs and alcohol was the, was the strongest factor in their own decision making about drugs and alcohol the more likely they are to think that everyone's doing it the more likely they are and we're all like that to be honest aren't we you can see it on, with face masks on public transport and it's kind of got fewer and fewer and fewer people are actually wearing a face mask now um and and then it and then the whole conversation about the specific risks from cannabis, especially the fact that it's just got so incredibly strong. Mm. And specific risks to adolescents, it's the very worst time of your life to be smoking cannabis because of the really critical period of change that your brain is going through. Absolutely. It's incredibly strong. You're so much more likely to develop an addiction, three times more likely to develop um, depression and anxiety than people that don't smoke cannabis, twice as likely to have a psychotic experience. More young people are in professional are in drug and alcohol treatment for cannabis 89 percent of people young people teenagers that are in treatment are there for cannabis more than anything else put together the next biggest is alcohol so there are very it's it's not risk-free and it's not normal it's um and also like attracts like so it's actually a foster mum and actually her boy does hang around they the, the the group of young people they all smoke but then I think in other groups of friends there's it's nobody that smokes so it's yeah. it's it's just really tricky we talk about the um I, I mean I guess in terms of holding on to what's right for you and what's what's what you know is going to be keep you safe mm. um we talk about the frog in the boiling water thing, you know, where you've got a frog and you put it in a pan of boiling water and it'll jump straight out, but you've got a frog and you put it in a pan of cold water and bring it slowly to the boil and how yeah, I won't know. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, can change, yeah. things can change around you without you maybe realising. In a, a friendship group, you can kind of 
drift into a friendship group a little bit, who can drift into certain behaviours and and maybe end up somewhere that you'd never jumped into, Mm -hmm. but just by those little, little steps. And it's just being really vigilant, I think, about the behaviour of people around you and knowing what's right for you and having the confidence to kind of hold on to that. And knowing, having that bigger picture as well. Okay, this group, it's normal for this group, but it's not normal across my whole year group. Most people aren't doing whatever it is. Um, which is great because that, that was one of the other questions is my son doesn't have the confidence to say no to his friends and yeah. it is self-awareness and that whole what you've just been saying it's very if it happens slowly you don't realize no and peer, pre- peer pressure can be someone going go on go on go on but but more often than not it's just that's that kind of Subtle. thing shifting or mm. a fear of missing out or and and with it's again because of this neurological change that's going on. It's that's it's a time of our lives where we've just got this acute sensitivity to social approval and disapproval. And so managing that influence is really hard. But there are lots of strategies, kind of generic strategies that you can work through. But in terms of feeling, you know, like anything you can do to build self-confidence and problem-solving skills and self-esteem, um, they can plan ahead. We're programmed as human beings psychologically to respect a reason. If someone's got a reason and they stick to their gut, even if it's a really rubbish reason you can they can plan ahead you know you can say okay what is my reason going to be and if it's kind of a a bigger reason than just I've got to get up really early tomorrow because that's only going to do on the odd occasion it can't be always that you know but so then then that can get you out of situation sometimes if you know there's a group or a situation where you might end up getting caught up in something or feeling pressured or tempted because that can be a little bit blurry as well because things can look like fun or it can you can be curious about what it's going to feel like and sometimes it's just best not to be there you know if, if you know that that's something you don't really want to do um it's not something you're comfortable with then make, make an excuse just get out of it just don't be there and and in that moment of decision have a few stalling tactics up your sleeve. It's it's harder to access that sensible bit of your brain when you're a, a teenager, the bit that would go, hold on a minute, I didn't think that's such a good idea. That prefrontal cortex, you just, you've got to wait till your mid-20s, really. Before yeah, you- or 30, yeah. Well, yes, or 54. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, I mean, it is harder. And also the other thing that's worth keeping in mind and a useful question to keep in mind is, would I do this if I was on my own? Because all the research that's been done about teenage risk-taking shows that left to their own devices, the average teenager, generally speaking, is pretty good at weighing up risk and isn't yes. that far out from the average adult. But the big difference is as soon as you put other teenagers there, with adults, if you put other adults around, they're more likely to behave more sensibly. This is in a driving simulator. Um, uh, but with teenagers, they their accident rate will shoot up. So, But if you can have that question niggling away in your head, going, okay, just take a moment. If I was on my own, is this something I'd be choosing to do right now? And if it isn't, then don't do it. And and have confidence that the friends that are worth keeping are the ones that will respect you. And and remember that everyone around you has also got brains that aren't wired up properly yet. They're going through this process of change. They're acutely self-conscious. They're not managing risk well. They're not thinking things through. They're not the best people whose behaviour uh, you, you should be following. So... Yeah, sorry, I've run out of my half. No, that, that's good. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've, you've covered 
loads of ground and actually quite a number of the questions. So um, thank you, Fiona. I really appreciate your time and sharing and everything. And I love that you talked at a pace because you just crammed in so much. Oh, yes, sorry, um, I do. I'm no, no, that's good. That's good. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I will catch up with you another time but thank you thank you for listening guys if you would like to watch any of these podcasts just type in young and limitless into youtube and you will see what the speakers look like so hope you got loads out of this have an absolutely great day bye bye